0: hey thanks for tuning in to hillside juniata sermons podcast where our goal is to make committed followers of jesus we want to encourage you that if you're not already connected to a local church that you'll find a place where you can connect grow serve and go but wherever you are today we hope and pray that god will use this sermon for his glory and our greatest good thanks again for tuning in. i would like to begin uh, a new greeting with you when I uh, start. And it's actually from a, a phrase in Swahili. So it's very cool. Uh, it's the word saubano. I'm not going to say that word because I think people coming in, if it's your first time, be like, what is that? But what that word means, it's a greeting for Swahili uh, speakers. And what it is, it's saying, I see you. Because they believe that at the very fact that on this huge rock called Earth, the fact that two of God's masterpieces, two of the creations that are the pinnacle of His creation, the fact that we see eye to eye is significant. So I just want to say that at the beginning, every time we're together is, I see you. This is significant. We're here together, and I'm here with you, and we are desperate to be changed by the Lord. So we're all in this thing together, and I am grateful. Thank you for partnering, for being here. And to chase after the, the king together. Um, and I just want to say, uh, this, there may be a little stage here, but that's just to see you. There's no separation. So I want to just be vulnerable with you today and share with you that what we're talking about is difficult for me as well today. And I, if you're anything like me, has anyone um, found it incredibly difficult to make changes in their life? Where you just want so badly to see a change, change a habit, or quit something, or start something new. And that seems to be the most daunting experience of my life. Where it, does, it seems as though, and, and this is me, so I'm just vulnerable before you, that it doesn't, seems that it doesn't matter how badly I want to change. My want to cease, rarely defeats my will to do the, the change. And I think what we're going to see today is a picture into that. And, and I've been wondering, like, how do I make these changes? Because if you're like me, I go, okay, here I want to do this. Maybe I want to get healthier. Maybe I want to work out, start working out. Maybe I want to, you know, do things, get rid of things. And what ends up happening is what I do is I just start adding things to my calendar, I create this task list where I go, okay, well, I'm going to set my alarm for this time and I'm going to get up and I'm going to read. Or I'm going to call this friend and say, I'll meet you at the gym. And what ends up happening is I populate my calendar and my alarms and my phone. But then every year I have the same recurring New Year's resolution that never seems to become fully resolute because all I'm doing is creating external actions, but I'm not actually attacking the core. And that's what we're going to see in Scripture today. So if you're like me and you go, hey, I would love to change. These guardrails, they'd be awesome. But they're just guardrails. They're just actions if they never actually seep into the depths of who we are. And what we're going to talk about today is the depths of our hearts and our thoughts. We're going to tackle something very deep today. And I actually read a book. And if you're a reader, this is a good one. It's called Atomic Habits. By James Clear. If you haven't read this, I'll just give you a quick, some things that that I've learned that I've been trying to do this change thing all wrong. And here's what he says One of the most successful systems that he discovered in research on making and breaking habits is what he calls identity based habits. This will make sense. So he says that every small victory that we have is a vote cast to prove it to yourself that you are who you think you are. The more you repeat a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity identity associated with the behavior. And thus, the process of building habits is actually the process of becoming yourself. So he's actually tackling into a very ancient reality from truth, from God's word that we're going to see today. So what he's basically saying is, if you want to be healthy, rather than just coming up with things to do, you ask yourself, what would a healthy person do Focus on your identity and when habit becomes a part of your identity, so you say, I eat vegetables every day because I am a healthy person, not because it's on my to-do list today. And he says that will, research has shown that is the most successful way to bring about great change. And then conversely, a bad habit, which this is good for me, if you're trying to say quit smoking or quit something, he offers that when someone offers you a cigarette, you don't say, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit. You say, no, thank you. I am not a smoker. Do you see the difference? He tackles that this whole time, and if you realize realizing this, it's not tackling, I'm just going to do more. I'm going to white knuckle. I'm going to be better. I'm going to set up guardrails. He's saying there needs to be an identity change, a change of thought. And this current research is catching up to God's word of truth. Isn't that interesting how that keeps happening? This modern research is going, hey, this is a profound truth and it actually is wise and real and it's actually been here the whole time. So we're going to see that today. The truth that he discovered that we're going to talk about, our main point is, what you think today is what you will become tomorrow. What you think today is what you will become tomorrow. This is Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, what you think is what you are. He says, for as a man thinks within himself, so he is. In Scripture we see, as we think, so we become. We need to not tackle merely the externals, We need to go, okay, let's do the work internally. Did you know introspection is not just a natural thing? We don't just grow up and go, I'm going to think about thinking. Introspection is something we must learn. We must practice. It's a habit that we must get really good at because we don't just grow into it. Think about the way you think. I don't know if you've ever had that conversation. But the way we think, what we think, determines who we are. So whatever is in your heart and mind, positive, negative, good or bad, it will control your attitude and your attitude will govern your actions. Ashley says that the heart of the human, pro- the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. We're gonna take a look at our heart and how it is, it is a problem. So all of the social, moral, ethical and spiritual dilemmas of our day, they all stem from what? The way we think. The way we think. What you think today is what you become tomorrow. So we're going to talk today about setting up a guardrail around our hearts and our minds. So this whole series, we've been asking not necessarily what's right and wrong. We're saying, what's the wise thing to do? In everything, before every situation, before every problem that we have, we need to approach the question before the Lord and say, God, what is the wise thing to do? Good thing we know the wisest person of all time, the Creator Himself. We know the Lord, and He actually shares through us, through Solomon, some incredibly wise words. So week one, we looked at just the desire and the need, that wisdom directs and protects. When we walk in wisdom, naturally, we will be guarded. It directs and protects. And week two, we talked about how, let's be wise about our time, because our days are numbered, so number our days. You only get X amount of time a day, and it does not stack up. Use our time wisely. The third week, we talked about fleeing from sexual sin. How it's unlike any other sin, and it can destroy you from within. Because it's a sin against your own body. So we talked about protecting our purity, putting guardrails up around our heart. And last week, we talked about how money can steal from you. How money can steal from you relationally, spiritually, emotionally. So we talked about mastering our money so that it doesn't master us. You can't have two masters. You're either a slave to the King Jesus or you're a slave to the King money. And Jesus needs to be our master. So today we're going to talk about putting guardrails around our heart and mind. What you think today is what you become tomorrow. We know this. The heart is the command center of our lives. So the source of our behavior, if we really want to change, become more like Christ, we need to address the heart level. So we're going to open up to Proverbs chapter 4 and we're actually going to begin in our memory verse. We're going to unpack Our memory verse today. So the first point we're going to see is the command to guard your heart. In Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. And as is our custom, our memory verses. Let's read it together. Let's hide this in our hearts. So let's read. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Hide this in our heart. And may this become who we are. And we're going to talk about more of what this means and what we've been trying to get at this entire series. The command to guard your heart. So let's look here. Let's, let's dive right back into the very beginning. Watch over your heart. We are very bad at that as a culture. We do not take the time usually to sit quiet and to watch. That word watch, it means to keep, to maintain, to protect, to cause to be safe from danger. How often is our focus diligently set on sitting with our heart and saying, I'm going to guard this. I'm going to protect this. Uh, It matters. This is a work that you are allowed to be selfish in this way. You are allowed to think about your heart and say, I need to protect this because this matters very much. It's like the, the picture here is like, I don't know if you were like me, but when I was a teenage boy, ravenous hunger just overtook all of us. So we would be at the, the lunchroom table, and I kid you not, I would get two trays, sorry mom, she's like, why are you... Spending all this money, I was always, I was so hungry. But we would sit there and it was like wolves. I mean, my, my buddies would like try to reach stuff and like, bam, get off of my roll. Bam, that's my pizza, that's my nugget. And then we'd just like, anyone have extras and they'd pass it down. That's the picture here. We're to guard our hearts because there are wolves, ravenous wolves, trying to take things from it, trying to put things in it, trying to mess with us, trying to knock over our, you know, anything. And we need to look at our hearts and say, no, 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 get out of here. No, we're not, we're gonna protect our heart. And he keeps going. He says, not only do we watch, but he says, watch over with all diligence. And that word diligence is interesting. So watch is like this guarding, right? Diligence means confinement. So diligence not only talks about keeping things out that are trying to get in. Confinement, diligence, is like you need to take care of that animal that's inside of you. It's this picture of a guard watching over a prisoner. So not only are we to guard our hearts by what comes in, we're to guard our hearts because what is in is going to get out. And we need to guard that like a prisoner. We're to watch over our heart with careful, cautious, persistent attention. And I am so bad at that because of whatever reason, call it my ADHD, but I just naturally, I don't think about what I'm doing. I don't think about my heart. I just kind of go with whatever feels good in the moment. I'll say, I'll be a part of, and that is is not what we're called to do here. That is a terrible guardrail. If you do that, it leads to destruction because this is a difficult task. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? If we're honest, if we sit with ourselves, with our hearts, we go, this thing does not want the things of Jesus. This flesh longs for gratification in sin, to run from. It is a prisoner that we need to guard, we need to teach, we need to lead. And that goes to uh, the guardrails that we need to put around it. We have a natural tendency to drift into danger zones, so we need to watch over what you think today is what you become tomorrow. So that's the command, and then we see the concern To guard your heart, the concern, the whole reason Solomon was concerned about guarding your heart is what? And this is our memory verse, for from it flow the springs of life. Now that may seem like, oh, that just sounds like nice poetry, you know, like springs of life flowing from mine heart, you know, it's just this beautiful phraseology, but what does it mean? What it means is that word springs of life literally means the issues of life. What God's word is revealing to us is that what we think, what is in our hearts, will come out. Flowing from our hearts are the issues of life, our behaviors, our actions, our conduct, our speech, and reactions. They are an overflow of what is in. This hurts. Our sinful actions are not the result of our upbringing, our environment our society, or our role models, we don't get to shift the blame of our sinful actions. Because what comes out of us, we are responsible because we have allowed into us. They come from what's inside our heart, and that hurts. So if you want to know the character of someone, spend enough time around them where you watch what comes out of their cup, especially when they get bumped. Because then you will begin to see, as God word reveals to us wisdom here, is you get to see who are they really. We cannot hide the truth of what comes out. Because what is in us will come out. And as we continue reading, Solomon tells us, he gives us what should we do because this is true. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, he says, For the the mouth speaks out of which fills the heart. Solomon continues, He gives us now the conclusion of his wisdom to his son. He gives us this wisdom. Guard the gateways to your heart. Guard the gateways to your heart. We've talked about this a little bit and when we talked about our sexual um, boundaries and guardrails here, but he, he gives very clear instruction if you look at verses 24 through 26. Here's the first gateway that we need to guard. Guard your mouth gate. Guard your mouth gate. If we're going to watch over our hearts with all diligence, we need to monitor our conversations. It blows my mind how little that we acknowledge the power of words. It's fascinating. How did God create existence? He said something. And what did he say? He said, Let there be. We're going to see a lot of lets in our text today. We need to acknowledge that our words are not just nothingness. Our words build up, they have the, the ability to tear down, to bring life, to destroy, to kill, to wound. Words are not nothing, words are something. And it's not just the words that we say, it's the words that we hear there's been a study where they put a, a, a jar of rice and they said nice things and they put a jar of rice over here and they said bad things. And every day they went up to the jar and, and of good things and said, good job, you're such a good rice bowl. You know, here's some encouragement. You're so white, you're so pretty, this is so great. And the jar that was bad things, they just came over and they just nasty to this thing. Fascinating. They looked every time. The the one that they spoke nice things to, this blew my mind. It thrived. It was nice and white. The one they spoke evil to, dark things, turned like orange and moldy and gray. Oh, how little do we know the weight of our words. That sounds so silly to think, how in the world does my words, That had to be coincidence, and they did it time and time again. It's when you speak life, It brings about life. Our words matter. By the word of his power, he brought forth galaxies. By the word of our mouth, we have the ability to speak life into the depths of our heart or death. Do you wonder why what comes out of your heart tends to be so wicked about yourself? Maybe it's because what you're speaking to yourself is very ugly. We need to change that. We need to guard that. Guard the conversations. Verse 24, he says this, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. So he's giving us these offensive, how do we do this? How do we change the thoughts? How do we change our hearts? That word deceitful there, it just means crooked. Crooked. A crooked mouth includes, but it's not limited to, lying and gossip and unfair criticism, blasphemy against God, using the Lord's name in vain. You name it, that's crooked. It's not straight. Devious is this word perverse. Perverse speech is like swearing, crude jokes, foolish talk, indecent speech. Solomon wanted his son to avoid not only speaking these things, he wanted to avoid hearing these things. He said, put them far away from you. Do not be among them. He knew that if these things had freedom to enter his son's gates, they would take up residence within his heart and mind and so become who he is. What speech do you allow in? What conversation do you allow to happen around you? And conversely, what speech do you allow out? I uh, Unfortunately, again, I'm, I'm continuing this vulnerability with you, but when I first got married with Michaela, she coined a, a term for me, and it's very upsetting, but she would call me too far guy, um, which is really upsetting, <laughs> because apparently <laughs> the reason that... Uh, I, I would just say the thing that everybody else was thinking but they didn't say for obvious reasons. So, And I realized that this was the overflow of years and years and years and years of cultivating no barriers around my mouth. What I would listen to in the locker room it, it, it's naturally. I mean, I went to public school, all right? And if you want to be fit in in a public school, in the sport locker room, and backstage at the musical, if you want to fit in, naturally you would say the thing that was most grotesque, and it would get the biggest laugh, and then therefore the greatest acceptance. So cultivated within me, over years, it just became normal, and you know this. What are our natural quips that we say? These These terrible things are that's what she said and and things like that they're just they come out of us they're normal in our society and i had no guardrails and here i am in my marriage and it just comes out and everyone's like they laugh because they're like that's t- how did he say like he said that so she'd say too far guy strikes again you know and, I, and and that i had to do work on that i had to sit and actively work against ridding myself of that natural reaction. And I don't know if that's like you. Maybe some of you in this room need to leave the break room. Maybe some of you need to turn off the TV or change the music you listen to or consider a different friend group because it's just sitting and you're surrounding yourself with filth. And the conversation that's normal is actually speaking death into your heart and so death comes out of you. It's that big of a deal. It's not just we need to not say bad things because we are Christians. You know, it's because we know that the weight of our words brings life and death. Guard your mouth gate. All of us need to guard our mouth gate. The second gateway that we see here, Solomon gives to his son in verse 25, is your eye gate. We talked about this a little bit in our sexual guardrails. He says, Let your eyes look directly ahead. And here's that, you see that let, let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. It's this picture of, you know, like, have you ever seen the Amish buggies and and when they're riding the horses, they put the little guardrails here, like racing horses. It's like, they need to be laser focused. And I love the insinuation here. It's not, um, you can't look around and enjoy the view. He's saying there should be someone that we are so fixated on that we are running as hard and as fast as we possibly can to him. King Jesus. King Jesus. We need to guard our eyes and say, I'm going to look at Jesus. Do you not know that what we gaze upon, what we look at, informs the depths of your soul? If what you're allowing yourself to see is filth, is ugly, is demeaning, is cruel, that's going to seep into the depths of our heart and so become who we are. And Solomon, this wise man, says to his son, son, look look ahead. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Church, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's look at him. Look at him. Don't look at a person. Look at Jesus. He will not fail. Guard your eye gate. So maybe some of you should watch some different movies. Some of you should probably read different books. We think that books don't have influence. They absolutely do. Magazines. They should probably unfollow some people on social media. The verse implies that there's something very important that we're to look at, and that's Jesus. He should be the one leading us. So the question is, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What has the captivation of your gaze? If it's not Jesus, you need to turn from that and fix your eyes on Jesus. The last thing that he says, the third gateway, is your social gate. I thought about saying your gate gate, because like gate is like the frolic of a horse and I, I worked at Dick Sporting Goods and I had to study gates and I was like, oh yeah, you're rolling you're this way, you should go with an ASIS or, or ASICS or whatever they're called. Um, anyway, the social gate, What? <laughs> I apologize, Solomon says, verse 26, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. What? He knows the power of where you are matters. Where you walk matters matters. Where you reside, where your feet are planted, matters. Be careful where you go. Be careful whom you go with. You know, my dad always said, yes, you hang out with the wolves, you start howling like them. If you hang out with the wrong place with the wrong people, you will start doing some wrong things. And I want to encourage you to seriously consider attending a small group We talk about that a lot, but it really needs to be a desire of yours. Small group doesn't work if we just go, I don't really want to be there. Long and see the value of being in a community that is life giving, is a place that you can be honest, that you can fix your eyes on Jesus, that you can guard your speech that you can guard your ears and that everything around in that meeting is about saying, who is this? Who is the God that we follow? How can I become more like Him? We need to be a part of that. We're not going to get that in the world. They do not have the Holy Spirit of God residing within them and so to challenge us and to admonish us and to lead us. You, I, I implore you, desire to be a part of a small group and make that desire known. We need more small groups. We need to have a place where we can get connected. We have sign-ups for a current small group that meets on Fridays. Yes, Fridays. Every other Friday or every Friday? Every other Friday. We have a, we have a, a small group that meets right after church and that's a Sundays. Yes, sorry. That would make sense. Sundays church. Desire and long to be in a place where you can talk about the things of the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Have a safe place to turn away from evil and a people that can hold up your arms. Life is hard. We need to consider Solomon's wisdom. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life, the issues of life. Guard the gateways of your heart. And this isn't just an Old Testament truth from Proverbs. This is not a you open up a fortune cookie and say well that's a good idea. This is also a New Testament reality Paul echoes this sentiment. He says this in Romans 12, chapter two. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says this, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says it again in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. God knows. God is wisdom. Wisdom here says fix your eyes on Jesus and lead your thoughts. Have you thought about that? You are not merely a passenger on the the cart that is your heart, you are the leader. We have the ability to lead our heart, to speak to our heart, speak life, speak truth, and not follow it. I'm sorry, Disney, that is not the way God designed it to be. We are not to follow our heart, we are to lead it, lead it with truth, guide it, speak life into it. Otherwise, naturally we fall into decay and into death out of bounds. And that's the whole point of this entire series. It wasn't so that we can walk away and go, thank you, Nathaniel, another series on all the things that I should be doing better. You know, another heap of burdens that now I need to have a guardrail here and a guardrail here and not, 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 not. It's not, that's not the point. The point is because there is life to be had. And when we are not fixing our eyes on Jesus, living and dwelling within his guardrails, then we're killing ourselves and we're creating a terrible example and we are not able to be used by God to the extent that he wants to use us. Be the leader, lead and direct your heart. God is the way of living that leads to life. And when we follow the Lord in his wisdom, we're free to run. We're unhindered, we're unafraid, we're not nervous that any step could be a landmine because we know that he's gone before us. We know that where he leads us is beside still waters. We know there's green pasture. We know that he is good and when we follow him, we can run. It's more than just saying don't, it's saying we, we need to run. That world needs to hear a gospel from mouths that are not marred by hypocrisy. This is not about us just being good. This is about us being in, in, integral, having integrity. It's so much bigger than our religious performance. It's so that you and I can be living proof. The world needs to see living proof. They don't need to see pen and paper. They need to see flesh. They need to see you and I living the way that leads to life. Showing them there is a better way. Proof that God is real, that Jesus really does save sinners like you and me, and that these wide guardrails will one day end at heaven's gate for those who trust in him. So the conclusion, trust in Jesus with all of you. That's the point. All of you. Full surrender. Surrender your heart and your mind to his leadership, not just your actions. Preach, teach your heart to say, God, what is the wise thing to do? Is the way that I'm thinking about change wrong? Maybe I need to think about my heart and my mind and I need to protect it with all diligence, like a a guard over a prisoner, because the animal wants out. Trust in Jesus and enjoy the life-saving, gospel-bearing journey along the path marked by his loving guardrails. This is an invitation into life, into walking and running with the Lord. And that's why we've had this series, and I hope you walk away with that. As you listen back, there is life to be had, and there is a gospel that needs to be shared. And maybe you needed to hear that today. Maybe you have heard preachers, heard other believers say, you have to set up these barriers and not do them because God doesn't want you to have fun. That could not be further from the truth. It is most fun when you can run free from guilt, free from pain, free from fear, into the life that God has designed for us. And that's the invitation of guardrails. We hope that you have grown, that you have heard some things that the Lord has done work in you and that we become a people who walk in His lead. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that you've not just left us here to wander and roam, but you've given us very clear guidelines. Not only have you told us the way of life, you modeled it for us through your son Jesus. Father, thank you for giving us a picture of what is true in a world that the truth is so convoluted We know that you are truth. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And no one comes to you but through Christ. So Father, help us to fix our eyes, to dwell upon Jesus, to to think, to, to guard, to allow our hearts to be informed by what you say is true, of what you say is real. And may we think differently. May our habits Prove to be of those who are desperate to chase after you. May we experience your sanctification as we press in, as we surrender to you and allow you to do the work deep within us. May we be a different people. And may we share the gospel with integrity. We ask. We know the world needs it. We know Juniata needs it. Altoona needs that. So, Father, may we be, would you look upon us and see people that you can use. So, Father, I pray that in Jesus' name.